getting ready to fight COVID. All of us want to be superheroes. The most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. To all the kids who volunteer, we'd like to say, Thank you! Thank you! Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Nothing Going On Here, The Power of One in Interesting Times. What you just heard is a public service announcement by Pfizer starring kids who are depicted as superheroes for participating in the vaccine trials. I recommend that you watch it. It's really quite something. Um, I'll put a link to it uh, in the program details. It's on YouTube. So for those of you who listened to the first episode of this podcast, uh, you may recall that I mentioned kids as being uh, a big motivating factor for, for me deciding to speak out about all of this. And that hasn't changed. Um, uh, I've been wanting to do this particular episode um, since uh, since I began. I had a lot of the research already, um, but it was just honestly, it was been so depressing. <laughs> Uh, putting it together, but here we go. So a little bit of background. On October the 29th, the FDA, now for those of you who aren't familiar, the FDA is the um, Food and Drug Administration of the United States. So it's the federal agency that regulates vaccines amongst other things, other medications and foods. So the FDA authorized, not approved or licensed, but authorized the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines in children five to 12 under the emergency use authorization. Now we need to remember this. It's the emergency use authorization. It has not been fully approved or licensed. Now the CDC, and it's, it's uh, everyone in America thinks everybody knows who the CDC is, right? But actually, you know, take it from me. There's a lot of people in Europe who are like, who's the CDC? The Center for Disease Control, so that's the highest medical agency in, um, in the land, is now recommending that everyone ages five and older get a COVID-19 vaccine, right? That's the recommendation. In November, the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health in the US announced a phase three clinical trial of the Moderna vaccine in babies and toddlers aged six months to four years old. And Pfizer plans to be vaccinating babies by the end of next summer, which they announced to a lot of fanfare. And apparently they have so many children, I guess parents applying uh, for these trials that they have um, more children than they have spaces in these vaccine trials. Now, what seems like an almost parallel universe of medical science, since this information is just not getting widely reported or perhaps reported at all on mainstream media, evidence is mounting every day that the vaccines can be dangerous, especially for children. Many physicians, scientists, healthcare professionals, as well as the government's own health advisory groups are calling for caution, just calling for caution, just saying that we need to be aware that there are potential problems. So the FDA in the US, their own advisory panels are calling for, for caution and the JCVI, which is the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization in the UK have been calling for caution. 
Germany's top vaccine advisory body, STIKO, I want to say STIKO, but I don't think I should, refused to endorse vaccines for teens, except for those with underlying health conditions. In August, the rollout was extended to all of those over 12 years old anyway. So there's a repeating pattern here of governments asking for advice from, these, from their own advisory bodies and then ignoring the advice. Why is that? Why are politicians so gung-ho on vaccinating children and ignoring the advice of their own scientific bodies? And why are so many credible voices being ignored, dismissed, and marginalized, even ridiculed? And why the rush to vaccinate children, particularly healthy children, a population that medical scientists agree is at such low risk from COVID that it's practically neg negligible. And according to some of the best data we have, which is the studies coming out of Israel, kids are less likely to transmit the virus to others. And especially in light of the potential risks involved to their short and long-term health. The risk of children up to eight, 17 years of age dying from COVID is only 1%, according to the CDC's own data, the Center for Disease Control's own data. And again, according to the CDC's own data, the vast majority of these children had underlying medical conditions, asthma, obesity, neurological developmental disorders, and heart problems. According to the University College of London, the risk of a child dying from the virus is two in a million. Do we know the risk of a child dying as a result of the COVID-19 vaccines? What those urging caution are saying again and again is we don't yet have enough data to know what the long-term risks to children are. And considering that they are at such low risk from the disease, we can afford to exercise caution and we should. It's the responsible thing to do. So in September, the JCVI, remember that's the Joint Committee on Vaccines and Immunization, uh, which is an advisory body to the UK government, warned about, quote, the increasingly robust evidence of an association between vaccination, vaccination with mRNA COVID-19 vaccines and myocarditis in children, especially following the second dose of an mRNA vaccine. They concluded that the margin of benefit based primarily on a health perspective is considered too small to support advice on a universal program of vaccination of otherwise healthy 12 to 15 year old children at this time. As longer term data on potential adverse reactions accrue, greater certainty may allow for a reconsideration of the benefits and harms Sorry, that was my computer trying to do a, a, a restart. <laughs> no. So as longer term data on potential adverse reactions accrue, greater certainty may allow for reconsideration of the benefits and harms. Such data may not be available for several months. Okay, that's the JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccines and Immunization, the advisory body to the UK government. But now here we are at the end of uh, November, the NHS, National Health Service, for those of you who don't know, is just driving ahead, vaccinating children in the same age group, 12 to 17 years old, with a second shot of Pfizer. Why is that? On September the 17th, an advisory panel for the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, it's called the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, or VRBPAC for short. That sounds like a lot of fun to be on. 
recommended against giving the third dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine to children. In fact, they recommended against giving it to anyone except for those at high risk for severe COVID illness and to people aged 65 and older because of the concerns over safety of the vaccine. The FDA advisory panel pointed out a number, this is actually another advisory panel, pointed out a number of concerns of the risk of myocarditis from the vaccine in teenagers, particularly in males. And myocarditis is it's not a minor deal. Um, I've, I've been seeing this kind of like trend of kind of trying to normalize heart conditions in kids. This is not a normal thing. And we know that. We know that it's not usual for kids to suffer from heart conditions. It's a, myocarditis is a, is a heart condition that has a mortality rate of 25% to 56% within three to 10 years. It's a serious, serious uh, situation. The CDC reported an approximately 95% hospitalization rate for these myocarditis-related adverse vaccine events. 95% of these kids that had an adverse vaccine event that was myocarditis-related were hospitalized. It takes a lot to hospitalize a, a teenage boy. So this is serious stuff. Dr. Scott Atlas is a public health policy expert, and he thinks that this should concern all of us. So uh, this is concerning to everyone, including people advising the FDA. It should be concerning to everyone. And every parent should be thinking as a critical thinker, what's the risk of the illness we're trying to protect their child from versus what's the risk of the vaccine? And the risk of the illness is extraordinarily small. So any increased risk, any increased risk from the drug that you're injecting, it's a tough case to make. And it's an individual decision to inject an experimental vaccine into a child who has extremely low risk for the disease itself. How did we get to a place where even urging reasonable caution backed up by scientific research is considered unacceptable in this political climate? What is this political climate where highly qualified men and women who have reasonable concerns just can't get any airtime? on mainstream media. Why are the mainstream media not asking these questions? Why are our journalists not posing these questions? Or maybe the questions are not getting through. But most of what we see on mainstream media now, it's pretty much advertorials, advertorials for, for the vaccines. When these concerns are out there and they're available to anyone who's interested, but you have to dig. And why is it left to somebody like me with my dining room table and my cat uh, and to to say this stuff, you know, they sh we should be hearing these conversations every day. These are important conversations. And these people are not anti-vaxxers by any stretch of the imagination. Many of them have worked in vaccine advice, um, research, and even development. Dr. Robert Malone, for example, he's a physician scientist specializing in advanced development of medical countermeasures to infectious diseases, but he's actually best known as the original inventor of the mRNA vaccine platform used in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. And this is what he has to say 
on the topic. We're rushing forward pell-nell, willy-nilly, on damaging and killing children. Um, and now they're going to launch clinical trials in basically very young children, two to three, okay? And there will be childhood death. There will be childhood damage. And it seems that we're going to have to have that for people to wake up. That was Dr. Robert Malone, who is the original inventor of the mRNA vaccine platform used in Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Malone is also the chief medical and regulatory officer of the Unity Project. That's a US-based organization that aims to halt COVID vaccines in healthy children. At the Global COVID Summit in Rome, Italy, there was a physician's declaration signed by 12,700 doctors and physicians from around the world. And they have these concerns. They cite negligible clinical risks from SARS-CoV-2 infection for healthy children under 18. They cite long-term safety of the current COVID vaccines in children that cannot be determined at this time. And they cite the risk of severe adverse events from receiving the vaccine of children receiving the vaccine, including permanent physical damage to the brain, heart, immune, and reproductive system. One argument that we hear for vaccinating children is that in doing so, it protects us, the adults. Sometimes we say the elderly. I don't know about you, but I felt utterly dismayed when I first heard this. I was wondering if I'd heard it right. We need to vaccinate our children with an experimental drug to protect ourselves. This runs counter to everything I learned as a child, everything my parents taught me about being an adult, everything my grandparents taught me. Do you know el any elderly person who has been asked their opinion on this? Would you, if you were or are elderly, ask your grandchildren to undergo this risk on your behalf? What does this say about us as a society? Is this really who we have become? It just seems to me in some ways we're vaccinating children to protect the adults and it should be the other way around. That's Dr. James Hildreth, who is a committee member on the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. Dr. Scott Atlas also has something to say about this. Take a listen. Are we a society, a civilization, where we are using our children, even if they did spread it, as shields. We're gonna inject our children with an experimental drug that they don't have a significant benefit from to shield ourselves. My role as a parent is to protect my children. My role is not, and I will never use my children as shields to somehow protect me. That was public health policy expert, Dr. Scott Atlas, who you heard there. It seems to me that we just need to think more critically, especially when we're talking about drug companies with huge profit-making incentives. We can't just accept what our politicians are telling us since they are ignoring their own advisory bodies, ignoring the science, ignoring thousands of doctors and physicians who are simply saying that we need to slow down because if we don't, it will be too late. 
So that wraps it up for this episode. Remember, you are one person, so you can do something. Get better informed, connect to credible sources that haven't been compromised or paid for by big pharma, big government, big tech. Listen to what political bodies are saying with a more critical ear. Speak up when you can and continue to ask questions. It's the very least we can do. See you next time.